Revolution. All right, welcome to Truth Revolution. This is where faith and reason meet and we spit the truth. Don't care whether you want to hear it or not, because truth is truth, right? Truth is truth. Although today we're talking about eight reasons why Christianity is false. Right. So there's eight reasons to believe that we're wrong. Okay, and we're going to tackle every one of those, right? We're going to get through as many of them as we right. can in the 30 minutes allotted to us by the brilliant radio stations who post this show. Right, and if you have seen Jeff's desk anywhere, please let us know it left last week and hasn't returned my phone calls. Yeah, I just felt like sitting on the couch today. <laughs> I'm bored. I thought mine sounded more fun, but that's okay. Aliens stole my couch. <laughs> All right, today, uh, Bill Flavel on AtheistAlliance.org wrote this article, Eight Reasons Christianity is False. So we're right. going to dive into these. Uh, let's go ahead and start in the very introduction. He says there's very little we can prove in this world. That's true. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, to, to prove something 100% true is pretty difficult. Right. Uh, but this second paragraph, go ahead and read this. He one. says, however, it is easier to prove something is false. Mm. All you need is one piece of contradictory evidence. So what about Christianity? Is there evidence that contradicts or casts a grave doubt on Christianity? He says, I think there is rather a lot. So we're going to look at these. Now, he says to keep the article brief, he's not going to give sources or details and that's fine with us. This is only a 30 minute podcast vodcast. So, you know, it's not a college course. Right. We're not going to provide uh, all that stuff either. We're just going to answer Bill Flavel wrote this. If you're ever listening to this show, Bill, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name, but I do think you're a great writer. You worded this stuff. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're clear, you're concise. I appreciate, I enjoyed reading this article. Obviously I disagree with it. Let's talk about why. Here's the first reason Christianity is false. He says there is clear evidence that prayer does not work despite the Bible promising prayers will be answered. Okay. Uh, he's right. The Bible does promise prayers will be answered. Mm-hmm. He's right about that. Uh, Matthew 21, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, right? He killed the fig tree. Mm, right. But you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Right. That's a pretty big statement. It is. So uh, the Bible is absolutely 100% clear. No doubts about it. Prayer can be powerful and effective. We should expect our prayers to be answered. So what's going on here? Well, I mean, I think... It makes it very clear uh, in that last, in verse 22, if you believe. I mean, isn't that, a, isn't that a conditional statement? Yeah, that is a conditional statement. And actually, I'm going to bring up eight reasons, eight conditions. Right? Okay. The Bible gives a number of conditions that say, because uh, you, you, we have what Jesus said about prayer, but the rest of the Bible goes on and says other stuff about prayer too. Your prayer won't be answered if such and such is the case. Okay. Um, Jesus obviously said doubting is is one of the big ones. But he says, you know, Bill Flavel, who wrote this article, says there's clear evidence that prayer does not work. Well, it's interesting because you can say that there's clear evidence that cars don't work if you go try to turn one car on and it it dies. Okay, so cars don't work. Or is it that that car didn't work? Right. Right, so there's a lot of prayers. Maybe you've prayed that haven't been answered. Maybe Bill have prayed has prayed for prayers that didn't get answered. Well, I would say that prayer didn't get answered. I wouldn't say that all prayers didn't get answered. Right. There's a big philosophical difference between those two. You know, in December 2008, when I found out we were losing the drummer for our church, 
we started praying, God, we need a drummer. We listed four qualities and there were no prospective drummers that we had. And we were praying and we were praying. And about a week before we lost our drummer, Corey, our current drummer showed up. Right. And he's been with us for over a decade. Uh, there was a couple in our church that had no savings, no extra money. They found out they were $2,000 in debt and they, they had to pay it immediately or it would go to collections. So we prayed and days later, the school they owed it to contacted them and gave them a $2,500 scholarship. So they had $500 extra. That's awesome. There was a lady in our church who needed a vehicle. I prayed to God that he would allow me to make up $2,000 to buy her one. When I prayed, I wrote in my journal, this is a quote. God says I should not. That is weird. <laughs> a couple weeks later, I found out that a group of people went together to buy her one. Right? These right. are all God answering prayers. June 2009, a friend told me that their mom was sick and medicine was costing them out of pocket $5,000 a month. Oof. So we prayed. Six months later, it was $28 a month. Uh, in 2010, we had a work at our church building. People hadn't been coming, so I prayed that 15 to 20 people would come. 26 people showed up. We prayed, hey, God, I want a bigger home for my family because we were doing foster care and adopting right. kids. Yeah. I had a missionary live with us. And uh, after I prayed, God, I want a bigger home for our family. If it's okay, please let me know. Three different families who don't even go to my church, right? Just three different people just approached us and gave us thousands and thousands of dollars saying, we just think you need a new house for some reason. For some reason. Yeah. yeah. They just right. out of the blue. So like, and those, I have a, a prayer journal, 178 pages long. Those are just some of them. Um, why doesn't God answer prayer? Uh, well, number one, God has a different plan. Right. Number one B, God's plan probably honors him more and accomplishes something greater. Right. There's a lot of times where, you know, when my daughter was eight months old. She wanted to eat sand. We were at the beach. Right. She's trying to eat sand. So I stopped her. Would she say that her dad didn't let her do what she wanted? Well, kind of. Yeah. But I think she'd rather be healthy and grow up than die. Right. And she may not understand at that point why you wouldn't let her eat sand. Exactly. Uh, another reason God doesn't prayer, we don't believe, like you pointed out. Mm, right. Uh, you doubt. First uh, Peter 3, 7 says that if husbands aren't treating their wives with respect, God's not going to answer their prayer. Uh, in James 4, it says if you're not asking and pleading with God, you're just throwing it out there, he's not going to answer. Uh, James 4 says if you ask with impure motives to spend what you get on your selfish pleasure, mm -hmm. God is not going to answer your prayer. Mark 11 says that if you haven't forgiven someone who's wronged you, God will not answer your prayer. And Isaiah 58 says if you're not helping the oppressed or the needy, God will not answer your prayer. I look at this list, I'm like, that probably covers a lot, maybe 80% of people's prayers right? Yeah, absolutely. that aren't going to be answered. I mean, yeah. how many people aren't out there actively helping the oppressed people? They haven't forgiven someone. They don't always have impure motives when they pray. They're not pleading with God. They're not treating their wife with respect. They don't actually believe God will answer. And any of those happen, God's not going to answer your prayer. Right. I know that um, I've had, I've said prayers that, that I, where I've had impure motives, mm. you know, it's like, God, give me a Harley. I mean, why would I need a Harley? God you help know? me win the mega millions. Right. What are you going to do with that? Right. Right. And everyone's always like, I will give it to the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After you spent $10 million on yourself, <laughs> right? you know, like <laughs> we still have impure motives. We just like to tell ourselves that we're doing it for the right reasons. All right. So that's the answer to the first one. Um, I think prayer does work. And when it doesn't, there's reasons why. Amen. I agree. Number two, there is clear evidence that humans invent gods. Hmm. Humans have invented so many gods that the default assumption should be that God is a supernatural entity invented by humans. Mm -hmm. Christians would need, to, would need solid evidence that the Jewish God is an exception to this rule, but there is no such evidence, he says. Done. Dun, dun. Yes. Jeff, how are you going to get us out of this corner? 
<laughs> I like that you say that. Uh, okay. There's clear evidence that humans invent God, he says. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of true. Yeah. Humans do a lot of inventing of gods. Uh, but I probably wouldn't use the word invent. Okay. I'd probably use the word reimagine. Okay. You know, um, because obviously we believe in God. Mm-hmm. We believe in the God who created the universe. And if you if you go with the Bible's story, um, which I know Bill Flaville, who wrote this, doesn't, but let's just say you go with the Bible story for just, just imagine with me for a minute um, that there is a God who created humanity and then things started going south. People started reimagining God to be more like them. Right. And this, you get the, the Roman gods that are very much like people. They have flaws, huge flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get all these uh, Native American spirits who may be actually based on real spirits, some of them not, not good. Uh, so you have this reimagining of gods throughout time rather than um, inventing of gods, right? Someone's not sitting down going, you know what? <laughs> we should make a new God up today. Right. And th- there may be a couple of those floating around, but right. by and large, I think you're right. It's a reimagining thing. It's, it's uh, not something that's like, well, we're going to go ahead and build this thing brick by brick. Yeah. You know? Explanation begets right. a different explanation, begets legend, begets legend, begets mm-hmm. another legend. And soon you have this pantheon of Roman gods that are all weird and human-like. Right. But for the one God, that cre- the creator of all things, uh, is there any evidence? He says there's not, but there is. And that's actually what our whole radio show is about. Right. I mean, you got to go to truthrevolution.tv and just browse the website. Yeah, don't even search. Just browse. Just browse for days, hours. We just had a guy message us say he listens to some of our stuff every single day. There's so much on there. Uh, we've been doing this show for, uh, what is it, Dave, 37 years now? <laughs> it's It's uh, been since 2011. So, yeah, so. I can't do math in my head right now, mm-hmm. seven years. So we've been we've got a lot of shows. So just browse there. You'll find lots of evidence. But I'll just point a couple out, and Prophecy is one of my favorite. There are at least 60 major messianic prophecies. So this is where the Bible, a prophet says, this is what the Messiah is going to be like. There's a 270 ramifications that were fulfilled in one person, Jesus. Right. Now, if these prophets, these are things like you have his address, right? It says that the Messiah is going to be from Shem, from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob, from Judah's tribe, from the line of Jesse and the house of David. Right? Like this is a lineage address. Right. Very, very, very few people in history could have fit that. Very, almost nobody. Uh, there was a prediction that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. That hints at crucifixion. Um, that wasn't even, crucifixion wasn't even in effect for 800 years until after that prophecy right. was made. Yeah. But the prophecy was made. Isaiah 7, 14 says Jesus is going to be born of a virgin. Um, that's a pretty specific one. Right. What are the chances of that? Like uh, <laughs> one in about 10 billion? Right. And you can't measure that one, right. obviously. Yeah. You know, so uh, mathematicians have calculated this. Uh, the probability that you could fulfill eight prophecies that Jesus did, one in 10 to the 17th power. That's almost impossible. Right. The probability you could fulfill one in six or 16 of the prophecies in one, one person fulfilling 16 of these. One in 10 to the 45th power. Okay, that that's that's impossible. Right, yeah. But the 48 <laughs> prophecies uh, in one person, the probability of that is one in 10 to the 157th power. That's a 10, or that's a one with 157 zeros behind it. 
Yeah, we, we discussed something about this uh, in one of the classes we did this summer, and everybody was just uh, shocked. And so what we did was we uh, took the whiteboard and we drew out that number. And, and, it, and it took up a good portion of the, of the whiteboard. And so then you begin to, act, and I dare anybody to do that, you begin to see exactly the magnitude of the, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Yeah, they say, I mean, like if you took that many quarters, it would fill the state of Texas like mm-hmm. uh, three feet a foot or three feet deep or something like that. Right. The entire state of Texas. And then imagine you just painted one of those red and you threw it into Texas somewhere. And then you walked into Texas blindfold and you picked up one of those quarters. There it is. The odds that you're going to actually get the red one. Right. It's, it's impossible. Astronomical, yeah. Uh, but Jesus did that. So is there any evidence? Yeah, there's lots of evidence. But uh, yeah, there we have it. All right, let's go to number three. All right, number three says, there is clear evidence that religions and gods are propagated through culture by infecting children and no evidence that they are propagated by gods. Infecting children. Mm-hmm. With, I guess it's thought infection. Oh, Bill, the author of this. Mm-hmm. Religion infects children. Well, uh, there's clear evidence that religion and gods are propagated by culture. I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, it's really hard. <laughs> what we'd have to do to make this experiment work is take a group of 40 infants and drop them on an island and just parachute in food and water okay. and just you know see if they grow up to believe in a God or not. Um, even then you'd have to have test control groups and stuff, but, uh, because you can't just take one isolated incident ever. Uh, but basically no matter where you go on earth, no matter how remote the tribe is, no matter how far away anyone is from any other culture, there is always a belief in God. Right. Every single time without exception, at least that I know of, there's always a belief in the spiritual and a belief in God of some kind. This wouldn't lead me to say, obviously culture infects children. This would lead me to say, there's obviously something there. Right. There's something, Absolutely. There's something there. Now, it doesn't prove what it is, but uh, this wouldn't lead me to come to the conclusion he came to. Right. All right, number four, there is clear evidence that Christianity has evolved as human understanding of the world has changed, whilst a real God-given religion should never need to change. What do you, okay, you know, I wish uh, I had this guy's phone number. I would call him and talk right. to him. What do you think he believes has changed? Well, you know, people have talked about how the Bible says the earth is flat. And then now we know the earth is round. Well, now the earth isn't round or the earth isn't flat. Well, there's actually some people that still believe the earth is flat. But there's, there's different things that as we evolve in our knowledge, we add that to our our wheelhouse and claim that as our own and we insert God into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's true. I mean, because if he's talking about like this type of scientific knowledge, mm-hmm. the, Bi- the Bible never says the earth is flat. Right. Right. That's what non-Christians believed right. and Christians <laughs> believe. May- probably not even Christians. Honestly, we, we misunderstand this whole the earth is flat mm-hmm. thing. Like until recently, educated people <laughs> believe the earth was round. Right. Uh, for, for thousands of years. Uh, you know, this idea that Christianity changes when we gain scientific knowledge is not true. You know, Copernicus, okay, Robert Boyle, Isaac Newton, Pascal Kepler, Pasteur, Francis Bacon, I mean, all these 
these major scientists and thousands mm-hmm. of others, they all believed in God, the Christian God, in fact. Right. This was a big deal. Uh, Kepler wrote, the chief aim of all investigations of the external world, in other words, the, the main goal of science, should be to discover the rational order which has been imposed on it by God and which has revealed to us the language of mathematics. Nice. He saw God's language as mathematics. Right. And God is revealing truth and he's revealing things to us through mathematics right. by the practice of science. Well, it's very interesting because mathematics is is truth. Because, you know, what two plus two can't equal anything but four. Unless you're in base nine. I don't even know what you just said. That's a different discussion. <laughs> you're killing me. I'm I'm doing math with my seventh grader right now. Okay. And she's like, Dad, how do we divide improper fractions. I'm like, that's a great question. I'm going to teach you how to look things up today. Oh, right on. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Um, but what's the thing that, that you always have said, though, um, in some of our other shows? Uh, the Bible is not a textbook. You know, it's it's not there to tell us, um, you know, the the way things are in the physical world around us. It's the story of God and man. Yeah, the Bible's not a textbook. It's a storybook. Right. And it's giving us stories about who God is and how he relates with us. And anyone who takes this and treats the Bible as a science book, Mm -hmm. giving us scientific principles, is reading it the wrong way. The Bible never was that. It was never intended to be that. And for most of the history of humankind, nobody treated it as a scientific textbook. In fact, a lot of people misunderstand. They're like, Galileo was persecuted by the church. Uh, No. Copernicus was killed by the church. Not... You know, this didn't happen like you think it happened. Uh, we've done other shows on it. You need to go listen. Go to our website, type in Galileo, type in Copernicus. The, the church, the Catholic church, actually uh, encouraged Copernicus to publish his stuff right. um, about the earth revolving around the sun. Um, 12th century scientists, they didn't have centuries of history telling them you should spend time in the lab. And so what did they do? They... they uh, they started to study because they wanted to know who God was, mm-hmm. right? So this idea that Christianity changed because of science, it's not true. Science developed because of Christianity. Amen. Um, yeah, you should actually, we did a show with a guy named Tom Gilson who wrote a book. What was the name of that book? It's Left Me. It is, it is The New Atheist, I believe. But no, no. But Tom Gilson is the name of the author, and he came on the show, and we talked a lot about science and how it works with Christianity and how it came from other cultures. Uh, You need to go check that out. Right. All right, number five. There is clear evidence that humans on this planet have unequal access to Christianity. So if Christianity were true, billions would be condemned to hell for no fault of their own. This contradicts the Christian notion that God is omnibenevolent. Okay. I want to take this sentence that you said, billions would be condemned to hell for no fault of their own. Right. Oh, I want you to imagine a scenario. There are 10 bicycle riders. Okay. Okay. 10 bicycle riders. And they all know the rule is you don't get off your bicycle in the race. Okay. okay? They start the race and all of them get off the bicycle. Oof. Okay. All of them get off the bicycle. And they start to walk their bikes through this part that's hard to ride. And they all, you know, cross the finish line um, disqualified. Right. Okay. And so they all are disqualified from the race. Then I come and I pick someone 
and I say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to award you as winner of this race. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm not going to disqualify you. Now, you may say that was unfair. Right. You may say it's unequal. But is it true that those guys lost the race for no fault of their own? No. No. They lost it at fault of their own. Absolutely. To say that everyone goes to hell by no fault of their own is not accurate. Right. We all go to hell because we've chosen to reject God, because we've chosen to do evil, and we deserve punishment from the judge of the universe. Amen. Now, God has condescended, right? He came down to participate in humanity and give us a way to achieve forgiveness, to have forgiveness from him. Um, You may not like the fact that I chose that one biker and gave him forgiveness for breaking the rules when I didn't give it to everybody else. You may not like the fact that some people are Christians and some people don't necessarily hear about Christianity, but that doesn't rule God out as a being. That doesn't make Christianity false. Now, to get to the point, because, you know, I don't like that idea either. Right. I mean, this doesn't prove Christianity false. But let's just say it's, uh, let's just take it as is. Uh, I don't think that's actually true um, that these billions of people don't have the possibility of knowing Jesus. Jesus said that if you knock on the door, he will answer. Right. Okay. If you seek him, he will be found. There are many stories of Muslims in the Middle East. You know some of these stories. Right. Of, of saying, yeah, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Like blowing myself up for God is a good thing. This doesn't make sense to me. And so they say, God, I want to know the real you. And then Jesus appears to them in a vision or like a Bible verse will get slipped under their door and they get to know who the real Jesus is. I actually had a professor who tells a story about his friend who said, I don't believe all these stories about Muslims having visions of Jesus and stuff. I don't believe it. Well, he went to the Middle East and uh, while he was there, a, a Muslim actually walked up to him. He said, you, you. The guy's like, what? The Muslim said, I, I prayed. I wanted to know the real God. And, and he showed me your face in a dream last night and said that you would tell me who the real God is and who Jesus was. Right. And so this guy was like, well, I guess I believe in those stories now. <laughs> right. Uh, but I believe anyone who wants to know the truth, God will reveal it to them. Amen. All right. And so the next one is... Okay, there is, sorry, I lost my place. Sorry, James. Right. There's clear evidence that the Bible, supposedly inspired by God, is liberally sprinkled with the type of errors that we would expect from its Iron Age authors, but would not expect from the creator of the universe. Liberally sprinkled. Liberally sprinkled. That's like how I like my cupcakes, by the way. Mm, liberally sprinkled? Yeah. Um, so this is just a misunderstanding of how the Bible works. The Bible, again, like Dave already said, is not a textbook. Right. Right? It did not fall from heaven with perfect grammar. It's not how it was meant to be. Right. It says itself, the Bible itself says the Holy Spirit carried along the authors. It doesn't say that he dictated, but that he carried them along so that they wrote the exact things that God wanted written, but in their own style and their own grammar. So to expect that it would have the... By the way, this wasn't written in our century. So to expect that it would meet a a standard from our century would make people from other centuries go, well, that was written really weird. Right. You know, it doesn't even make sense. Absolutely. So, I mean, they didn't even like have commas and stuff back then. So it's just a, it's kind of a nonsensical statement. He just just doesn't understand how the Bible was written. Okay. Number seven, Christian theology is incoherent to the point of absurdity. God killing his son so he can forgive our future sins is like me breaking my son's leg so I could forgive my neighbor in case she ever parks her car in my drive. It is quite ridiculous. That example is quite ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, because the son breaking his legs for a neighbor to park in his driveway, just there's no coherence. Congruency, there. yeah, yeah. It it doesn't because God wants to wants us to be active in a relationship with Him. He makes the sacrifice so that we can be forgiven of those sins. Right. Jesus is God. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like God just picks some random person and says, Hey, you, <laughs> yeah, you over there. I think you should pay for the sins of the world. Right. That's not what happened. Uh, in addition, this is only one view of what's called the atonement, right? The idea that Jesus paid the price for our sins is only one view. He did it his, his own choice. Right? God didn't make him do it. So that's a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. You know, if your son, uh, broke his leg because he was trying to, you know, save someone uh, who was doing something bad. You know, he would have paid a price then, right, to save someone, and that would have made sense. But Jesus, of his own choice, saved some people from judgment um, by taking the penalty. But that's only one view of the atonement. There's other views of the atonement talk about how Satan was in control in this world, and by dying and then rising from the dead. Jesus proved that he had authority over life and death, and he broke the hold that Satan had on this world. We don't have time to go into that now, but that's called the Christus Victor view of the atonement. Um, There's other views of the atonement, the healing view. There's so many different views of the atonement. Just get a book, four views of the atonement, or even Google different views of the atonement, and you'll find out that the idea that Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for our sins is just one of those views. So, yeah. All right. Uh, number eight, there is clear evidence that the arguments presented for the existence of the Jewish God are logically fall- flawed. All of them have been shown to be unreliable. If that were not the case, all honest and intelligent people would accept that God exists, just as all honest and intelligent people accept that black holes exist. Hmm. <laughs> Huge disagreement here. Right. He says all of those arguments have been shown to be unreliable. If this were not the case, all honest, intelligent people would accept that God exists. Right. That's not true. <laughs> it's not true that just because something is proven, everyone accepts it. Right. It's been proven that the earth is round. Not everybody accepts that. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been proven that, uh, oh, here, okay, here's something a lot of people say. We only use 10% of our brains. It's been proven that that's not true. Oh, Tons I'm of people still so believe glad. it. so <laughs> glad. Antibiotics kill viruses. We know that's not no. true, but tons of people still believe it, right? Right. I got into an argument with somebody about that the other day. You did? Yeah. Yeah. It's bacteria, not viruses that yeah. it kills. You go, people go to the doctor and they're like, I need some antibiotics. Well, you have a virus. Well, give them to me anyway. They'll help a little bit. <laughs> right. No, Placebo. it's not going to help a little bit. <laughs> I kind of feel better. <laughs> right. But people believe things, even though it's not logical. So right. just because we're able to prove that God exists doesn't mean that everyone's going to suddenly believe in God. Uh, these arguments we have for God's existence, you know, whether it's the axiological argument, teleological, the cosmological, or the horizontal or vertical cosmological arguments, you know, all sorts of different arguments for God's existence, the statistical probability that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies that exist right. in the Old Testament, all this stuff, these aren't logically flawed. I mean, my favorite one's the Kalam cosmological, right? Right. Um, that talks uh, about the existence of the universe and why it's here. I mean... Why, why is there something here rather than nothing? Right. You, if you have nothing, you get nothing. nothing, right? You don't get something from nothing. Right. Here's the thing that I always like to tell people, man, if it was just one piece of evidence um, and we sat there and look at, looked at that one piece of evidence, it would be easy to just throw it aside and say, nah, maybe not. But there's evidence upon evidence 
upon evidence upon evidence. And the more we have done this show, when I first, when we first started doing this show, I mean, I had questions, but the evidence mounts, evidence mounts. And the more you have, the more, the, the less you can deny the truth. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Right. You know, this is the compounding argument for mm-hmm. the existence of God. You just, yeah, you, you look at the teleological argument, right? All designs imply a designer. Mm-hmm. There's great design in the universe. Therefore. Therefore, there must be a... A designer, a great, great designer. designer of the universe, right? Wow, that's really good. Then you take that and you add to it the the statistical probability that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's two pretty powerful things. Then you add the cosmological argument. Then you add the Kalam cosmological argument. Right. And then you add the idea that the Bible correctly predicts all sorts of events, not just Jesus, but mm-hmm. all sorts of events in human history and the future, like... All these put together just again and again and again, you're going, wow, there's more evidence here than I thought. This seems pretty legit. And then you believe and then you pray and God answers prayers. Right. And you're like, yeah, I know that was not an accident. So... Right. It's just amazing. You could put uh, one of those proofs in your in one hand, one of those proofs in another hand. Okay, the third one comes along. What are you going to do? You're going to carry it like this. And then the other one, you just stack it up on top. And then and then pretty <laughs> soon you're snowed under yeah. uh, the evidence. And so to me, it's just like, it's yeah. just hands down. Man. So, all right. Thanks for listening to our show today. Eight reasons to not believe in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we cleared that up and gave you some reasons to believe in Christianity. Right. Um, we're from Revolution Church, if you don't know. I'm Pastor Dave. This is Pastor... I'm Pastor Jeff. This <laughs> I'm is pa- Pastor Dave. This is Pastor Dave. <laughs> I'm glad. I hope I wasn't that incoherent through the whole show. <laughs> I'm Pastor Jeff. This is Pastor Dave from Revolution Church. Check us out online at www.revo.church. That's R-E-V-O dot... Church. Dot... Church. That's right. Just dot church. No dot com or anything. Just right. dot... Or church. <laughs> dot urch. Have a great time. We'll see you next month. <laughs>